Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's been going on as long as Kenny Miller, but to much less acclaim. This week on Heart and Hand, sheep shearing! So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Ranger Podcast. My name is David Edgar, and returning after holiday after his uh, what would you say your mid-season break? It's Mr. Scott Vandenacker. Thank you. Except I wasn't in La Manga training under the hot sun, um, but it, it was lovely. It was fantastic. Um, what I will say is we've been around as long as Kenny Miller. Mm. But sadly, we have the same impact as Joe Garner, <laughs> which is over the years we spent more time rolling about the floor. <laughs> Selling, Mackey, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's true. So, yes, yeah, Scott, nice to nice to welcome you back to the show. And uh, you take you missed you missed a couple of uh, poor our performances uh, against Motherwell. I don't know if it was. I still haven't got my head around what that performance was. And then uh, a fairly turgid one at Kilmarnock. But uh, like uh, like the heroes and these the the classic tales. You know the 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 Henry the Fifth, the uh, Mayor of Casterbridge, Rocky Three. We triumphed in the end. I think uh, the funny thing about being away was the social media reporting of the Motherwell game. Yes. Obviously, I was trying to create a visual image based on what people were saying to me, and people were sending me incoherent sort of. What? <laughs> what? What is this? I think at one point uh, you texted me during the Motherwell game and you said, what's going on? I'm getting all these weird reports and trying to follow on Twitter. And I said, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean you don't yeah. know? And I said, I don't know. He was like, what's the formation? I said, I think it's a one, two, four, three, and I'm not taking the piss. I think you yeah. thought it was back on the drink. Yeah, it, it sounded like the old-fashioned uh, like sort of hockey stick from the 1910s. Mm. There was like... One fullback, mm-hmm. two, I don't know, other defenders, and then everyone else is up front. Um, I will say that in terms of people, you in particular, have complained long and hard about Rangers over the years when we were doing well that there wasn't entertainment. That was fucking entertaining. That was yes. that was like taking an acid. Uh, it was quite bizarre, but. Uh, from that we went to Kamar, but we don't need. We've dealt with this. If you want to catch up on that last yep. week's pod um, with with myself and Cami, I dealt with that. But on Saturday we were well, Sunday. Sorry, we went to uh, Pitodri, going to hell as Pedro had been told. He said it, he'd been told he was going to hell, and he must have been a touch disappointed. I think to realise when he arrived there that hell was in fact a kind of rickety old dump that smelled of fish. Full of unintellig- unintelligible one-eyed people who uh, basically were dressed like golfers from 1974. Yes, I think obviously he was getting his Portuguese English Facebook out, 
see if hell meant arse end of fucking nowhere. Mm. And um, and as for the cauldron created by the home fans, felt like oh, he felt like oh, he felt like he's, he's probably like, what? I, I think the only cauldron in Aberdeen is used to cook their dinner. Yes, um, it's a strange place it's, it's a strange place I'm, as you know Scott I'm, 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 a, I'm a fierce unionist but I would have no objection at all to Aberdeen and Dundee being cut off from Scotland and allowed independence yeah I mean I don't think anybody anybody, I don't think anyone would notice um, Aberdeen's like sort of stuck in a time warp where it's got a rich oil sector and everyone else is from the 50s mm, yeah I, I always thought that Urwali was quaint old tales of you know sepia coloured nostalgia for what Scotland was like maybe you know, almost a century ago. Uh in fact I now realise it's actually a hard hitting expose of life in the North East. Uh, it's a savage place, but not in the way they think. No, um, no, not in the way they think. Also, um the great thing about them taunting supposedly Rangers fans is that we get to go home in the bus. Yeah, after, yeah exactly. After the game. So last yeah. laugh really is on them. Yeah, we we, we get to get to uh, go back to civilization. And the other thing is, you know, we get to go home in a bus. Uh, they're they're actually worshiping the bus because they think it's a god on wheels. Ooh. Yes, a ju- juggernaut. The original yes. name of juggernaut was, of course, a wheeled chariot of the gods. Mighty iron god. Yeah, um, we worship you, O Parks of Hamilton. Well, they're probably looking at their holy books to see what Parks of Hamilton translates as. Yeah, yeah. So strange. The other thing about it, of course, is that the cauldron of hate. We generally pump them. <laughs> um. Well, let's. Let's go at the game um, because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, and it's. Uh, uh, I think me and you'll do that uh, yes. together. You, you've tended to miss the decent stuff this season, so I think it'll be quite quite fun for you to be able to to go off full cocked for a for a change. Three times we've played Aberdeen this season. We'll break down this game individually uh, in a minute, but I just wanted to to say this. Now, Rangers have been unimpressive for the vast majority of this season. It's you know that's why we have a new manager. Um, and it's why I think most of us are expecting quite a lot of activity both in and out in the summer because Rangers have underperformed and Aberdeen are still nine points ahead of Rangers and that cannot be ignored so fair play to them for that The second force Yeah, currently absolutely Now, that's all well and good but what I would say is we've played Celtic and we haven't beaten them yet Um, we've, we've got one draw but we played Hearts and had two absolute Leatherings against them and we've also had struggles against other sides we've played Aberdeen three times we've won twice and we were horrendously unlucky to lose the first match it took a wonder goal in the last minute of a game that we had the better of I won't say dominated but certainly we had the better of Aberdeen are shite aren't they it's, it's a myth that's been bad. or what are the other teams doing against them well, I think that's one of the things that got Mark Warburton the tin tack, is that you have to factor in everyone raising their game against us. I don't think, if you're Partick Thistle or Kamarnock or another team in the SPL, their name escapes me now, but then playing Aberdeen, you don't really care. It's like if, if Sally said to you, David, David, you have to come see a gig with me. The Somebody's playing from the 80s who are a goth band. Mm. You'd maybe go. Brackets, you wouldn't. I wouldn't, no. But, but I'm, I'm giving it an example to the punters, okay? Right. So imagine you went, right? Mm. Double brackets, he really wouldn't go. No. But um, it, you would go along, but, and it would be a gig, and therefore it would be a musical experience, but you wouldn't really care. You wouldn't care what songs they played, whether they did an encore. The only thing you cared about was getting home again. Mm. And I'd imagine if that's a game against Aberdeen, that's the same for most people. Um, who are these people? Why are we playing them? Uh Whereas playing Rangers, of course, because Rangers are Scottish football, as the new report today showed, money's rolling in, crowds are up, and advertising revenue and TV revenue's up mm-hmm. the minute we're back. So we are the only show in town, and I think that does add pressure. Warburton never got that, that you don't play the game and say, ah, I've watched Hamilton, I know how they play. They don't play like that against us. Not that he did watch them anyway. No, he didn't watch anybody, I don't think. And so we, we have it hard against teams, but against Aberdeen... I do, it's very hard to explain at the game. I was expecting uh, Aberdeen would be coming up this season. I would. I was expecting that Aberdeen after Celtic would by far, especially Aberdeen away, 
would be our most difficult match. Yeah, we I should have had, nine points. I, I maybe, yeah. you know what it is? Maybe you've been away for a few years. I'd maybe still had it in my head that when I thought Pataudry, I'm thinking back 80s and 90s. Because, you know, when I grew up and when I first was going to Pataudry, when it really was either they had a really good team or a decent Chipped. side. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, and the place was, was rocking uh, and it was raucous. The only noise that gets made are Rangers fans. You get the customary Ian Durant song after 15 seconds because that's their claim to fame now. And know, then the David Cooper song yeah. just after that. And, and, and that's what they yeah. have. Uh, then you've got the the, the kind of quite baffling, and I, I will need this one explained to me by a localised sheep, one who speaks English. This um, walking away is the Rangers way thing. I don't actually know. I mean, I get okay, you're not Rangers anymore. Fair enough, knock yourself out. But walking away is an angel's way when your stadium is full for only the second time this season because there's 8,000 bears there again after all that's happened to us. What the fuck are you talking about? I know. Another one is Tenwen went to Moor Meadow. What? What? They sing that. They sing that one about Moor in a Meadow. Why? I've got no idea. They're Aberdeen fans. I don't know. It's a weird kind of subculture, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just strange. Uh, maybe we could... Are there Abaddonian listeners could maybe... Abbott Scott, it... it's a fucking podcast. Do you know how long it takes to download a podcast on dial-up? Okay, that... Right, well... They're currently was... halfway through downloading episode one from 2010, for fuck's sake. Well, how are you getting on with the transcripts of the actual like, writing out what we said and posting them to Aberdeen? Did that ever, anything ever come of that? No. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, the, the thing was that they, they sent the money, but it was in shillings, um, 2D ah. and sixpence, so uh, I can't get it changed at any But We'll be going back to that now Now that uh, Brexit and that. Oh, well, we need, we'll need Aberdeen more than ever. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically, on to the game, it was a strange state of affairs. So, yeah, they sang their David Cooper song, blah, blah, blah. We then, strangely and interestingly, took control of the game. I thought the first half, I, and I'll, I'll go through it as I watched it, if you like, and I'll, I'll go through my thoughts during it, rather than just take it from the end, which was obviously yes. very satisfying at the end. But... The first 45 minutes, I thought, again, the expected pressure for them didn't come, much like the first game. Again, we made two excellent chances, but missed them both. We didn't concede much. I remember one shot that uh, Wes had when I think it was Hayes cut in from um, our our right-hand side uh, and fired a shot that Wes dealt with quite easily in the first half. And then they had a shout for a penalty that no sentient being thought was a penalty, but Michael Stewart did. Um, wasn't a penalty. I love these things. For you. None of the Aberdeen players are even claiming it. Tell you something, Michael. Yeah. You know, the boy who went yeah. down wasn't claiming it. Tell you something, Michael. What about Celtic fans in the studio next year? Oh, they're not claiming either. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't okay. a penalty. But at half time, I did think, hmm, I think I've seen this film before. We are. We have played well. We haven't conceded much. Much maligned that before certainly the Warburton teams could come on to that wasn't happening. We were competing physically, and we made two really really good chances, as Dick Advocate used to say, one hundred percent chances, and we should have been at least one up, probably two. We weren't, and I thought, oh, you know, I think we we all think we've seen this film before. And start the second half, Aberdeen came out and take control of the game. Again, I didn't think it was quite like the Alamo down there, but they were building pressure and Wes Fodringham has made three good st- well, two good stops and one terrific stop, I think. And at that point, you start fearing the worst and then, boom, just... Uh, I know that I know that McInnes would like to write it off as a crazy five minutes, but we've played them three times this season. And we've got six points. We should have seven, possibly nine, barring, you know, a, a phenomenal free kick in the last minute. It wasn't a crazy five minutes. It was Rangers picked you. Rangers got a great goal, a phenomenal goal from Kenny Miller. But then they fell apart, and Rangers now I think are beginning to get a bit of confidence. New manager bounce that kind of thing. So when something went right for us everything then began to flow 
And in the end, it was three. It could have been five. <clears throat> you know, David, many ways, the game's like making love to a beautiful lady. And that uh, you don't get to do it as often as you want to. Well, there is that. And, but and, and, the, and that your best days of it were in the 1980s. There is that. Um, don't mention sheep, okay? Um, it started really well, okay? A lot of enthusiasm. And w- I was well on top, yeah? Yeah. Then I started to get tired, held back a bit, worried I was maybe not going to quite get there. And then at the end, it was just fucking magic. That's kind of old man sex, worried I'm not going to get there. When you're younger, it's worried that you're going to arrive there far too quickly. That That's true. Um, you can't win, can you? No, yeah. when you're older, it's sort of like things pop into your mind about, have I paid the lecky? Match of the day's on pretty soon. Yeah, there's no... There, I, for all of our younger listeners, please, you know, earmuffs, but there is nothing worse than when you are trying... To, like, half-time, the pressure that comes from knowing I really have to get this done quickly. And and not even in 15 minutes, because you can't... It, you know, you, you can't explode 14.59 because of the clean-up operation. You really need to have... Gone full bore, as it were. Yeah, you've, you've also got that thing where you have to like, cuddle them for a couple of seconds and go, oh, that was great. So so you got to add that on. I don't know about that. Is, it, is this newfangled? I, I live in Ayrshire, mate. Well, <laughs> you well, you pat, do you not pat them in the head at least and go, well done, mate? No. Uh, personally, I send them a, a nice telegram. Do you text Sally after? I just text, you know, congratulations, enjoyed that. Um, Facebook status. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, just had sexual intercourse, like... Thumbs up, yeah. Yeah, thumbs up, yeah. Or two thumbs up, depending on... No, right, uh, back to the game, yes. So, yeah, the end, but uh, again, to go back to my sexual analogy, of course, it took the introduction of a big black lad to take us home. (laughs) Which, in a lot of these films that we've watched, is often the case. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake, we're getting shut down on that one. I'm sure Joe Dew was... Dude, was told that maybe he had to go and fix the fridge, <laughs> and Aberdeen with the lady in the negligee. Well, to be to be honest, like afterwards, I was dripping like a fucked fridge uh, at that one. It, yes. it was fantastic when he did that. And then, do you know what I loved? Um, and we'll come to Joe Dodo in a minute. What I loved about him is when he was walking off at the end, he was—you could see him still annoyed at himself for missing the chance where he hit the bar. I fucking love that. That's yep. a fantastic trait in any striker. I also love the fact that he could sort of trap the ball and pass it. <laughs> Occasionally he can finish. See, that's yeah. right. Let's do then. I've got a few notes, and one of the things I've got written down here on my pad is. Cheating stri- bastard. What? She- making notes? You never let me have any. No, I make notes during it as we. I actually have, and I'll post a picture of it on our, on our Twitter feed. I actually have a lovely Union Jack Paul Smith notebook, what I oh. use exclusively for the pod. I like um, it, and I can, and it's just words so that to to kind of uh, extemporate uh, from. I don't write long long notes, um, but so I, for instance, here I'll tell you what I've currently got written down here: strikers right. slash Garner, Dodo, Waghorn, Miller. Right? I mean, it's it's complicated. There's not I mean. a lot to work off, but uh, yeah, I'll post a picture of it on on our Twitter feed. But strikers, right? Mm, do we have to? Yeah, it gets better. It gets okay. better. Let's start off with manner that, that it happened in the game, if you like. So the first incident would be Joe Garner's. Let's start with Joe Garner. I know you've never really rated him, never really taken to him. I thought there could be a player in there. I'm going to upset a lot of people here because the whole cult hero thing, and I hate that term because F- Philip Sebo is not a cult hero, right? Nacho Novo is, if you know what I mean. It's... Yes. They have to do something. And this kind of ironic love of Gardner. I was embarrassed by at the start. And yes, before anybody gets in you know, gets in touch and says, Well, if it'd been a Rangers but you are absolutely correct. If Gardner had done that to the sheep, would he have been sent off? Yes. You're completely right. It's a different matter though. That's ref that's the way Rangers are handled, that's the way Rangers are treated. And we can discuss that and I will agree with you one hundred percent. However, we all know what he did. We all knew what he did at the time. And given that he picks up stupid cards time after time, he's got away with it a couple of times. And given the fact now that there is a few Rory around him and, and he needs to watch himself because referees 
once you begin to get a reputation, whether it's fair or not, it sticks to you and it does alter the judgment of people when they're dealing with you. And in that incident, I just thought that was everything about Garner that we don't like and we don't see enough of the things that we should like. He played very well the second half against Motherwell. He played very poorly, I thought, against Kilmarnock. And then he just doesn't score enough goals. This is, you know what? We can analyse this, we can go over it. For the other stuff, he doesn't score enough goals. I appreciate the thing that he, he upsets defenders, but I'm not sure he upsets them in a positive way for Rangers. No, he also upsets us watching it. Yeah, I, I yes, he butted his head in a, a movement towards Joe Garner. It was not enough to send him down. I may be hopelessly old-fashioned here, but I don't particularly like when Rangers players do that. And... A friend said to me, oh, come on, you know, if it happened in an old firm game, I said, look, I don't mind him getting a player sent off, but do it properly. If you're yes. going to dive, be fucking good at it. Yeah. I think the other thing with Joe Garner is he's only hit five goals, which means he's got less goals than Aberdeen fans have got fingers in one hand. Mm. And uh, I think that that's a damning indictment in its own right. He occasionally has these little bursts that go 15-20 minutes and and then nothing for weeks and then you get the clowning around and the, the, the poor tackling and look, everybody... Right, I'll, I'll ask you a question, David. Yes. Would it be acceptable what you're seeing with Joe Garner? And my dad and I were talking about this today, actually. Would it be acceptable if he'd been a Bosman? Mm, yeah, probably, yeah. And there's a lot of it because it was such a colossal chunk of our budget which appears to have been spunked, much like the film earlier, featuring the fridge and the lady in the negligee. I think it was the case that if we had... You're absolutely right, it's £2 million, £1.8 million, but you know, we'll say £2 million by the time that you, you factor in agents' fees, etc. That, to us, was a Herculean amount of money, and we were obviously hoping that we would get something that would look like a £2 million play on the Scottish Premier, and he hasn't... Another way of looking at it is, would I put up with all this crap behaviour if we had 15 to 20 goals out of him so far? And the answer may be different. But, look, I just don't like strikers that don't score goals. It's, I, I'm again, yeah. you know, that's, I am maybe not hipster enough to understand modern football. Um, I do get people leading a line and doing a shift, but you should occasionally weigh in with goals as well. And I defend it, Garner, because I think there's, a kernel of a good player there but I'm not sure that he focuses enough on doing the stuff that will bring that out and instead lapses into all this fuckery and I just don't think it helps us particularly. Moving on then next to Martin Wankon who I thought worked really hard, bustled did, he did you know in a positive way upset the Aberdeen defence but again missed a crucial chance and I don't know what it is with with Wycon. I mean, is he is he just a guy who's always going to get you at most ten, twelve goals a season? Is that just the type of player he is? I think he's a squad player who's been elevated because we don't have enough options. Yeah, he's a guy. He can take a penalty. He's got energy. He can maybe maybe turn a game late on when teams are tiring. But I don't think he's he's not your main striker or one of your main strikers. But I, he, but here's no. the thing though, just to, to back up the point earlier, he costs two hundred grand. Yeah, and, and that's why it's acceptable. Yeah, and no, Rangers, no Rangers fan can complain about the shift we've had at Martin Waghorn for two seasons so far for two hundred grand. No, I mean he's 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 been adequate. And see if you see if Warburton had explained that he was beefing up his squad with guys like Waghorn. That's fine. He's ended up though for a variety of reasons being one of the main men, and I don't think he's got that kind of level of quality. Then we come on to goal scoring hero Kenny Miller. Uh, first goal was an absolutely terrific finish. I mean, we have been what? watching Kenny Miller since we first knew, known each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and I have talked... When Kenny Miller doesn't have time to think about it. And we really liked him up to 2006. We really liked him up to 2006. Um, and then something happened. But uh, his instinctive finishing is amongst the best I've seen. Now, you know for a fact that if he'd been running in and goal, he'd have missed it. But then he scored. You're absolutely right. Normally, the... the that's, if you like, one of the cliches of heart and hand over the years is Kenny Miller is a better first-time striker than he is when he has time to think about it. But then he tucks away that second one, although it could, you know, adrenaline was coursing through him 
you know, yeah. Fosco. But the first finish, I mean, he can hit that one place really and score. Yeah. And first time on the half volley. Keeper's still diving now. And and the the keeper actually did well. If you watch the replay, and I've watched it a few times, um, the keeper does as much as any keeper can. And he leaves him one spot to score. You know, the the keeper has covered, if you watch the dive, he has covered everywhere bar the postage stamp. Mm -hmm. And that was where where Miller put it. Tremendous finish. Now, things you don't notice actually during a game and things that that pop up, I hadn't realised in the euphoria of the first goal... um, that we scored straight from kickoff. Aberdeen took kickoff, played a pass, another pass, a loose pass, the ball straight to Dodo, who played it beautifully through to Miller, didn't have to break stride, tucked it away. I hadn't realised it was that quick because there was no, a long, no. there, there was a long delay between the first goal and kickoff when you watched it back. Because, uh, like I said, I tried to watch the games back before we do this. And that maybe contributed to the sense that it was a few minutes later. But it was literally four passes from kickoff. See, that's um, what I'd say about Kenny Miller is it's interesting that he's weighed in with a few goals recently. He's a top scorer of the strikers that you're going through now with a fine toothed comb. But I, I don't think he's actually been playing that well lately, strangely. And I know that I might get criticism from the pod <clears> listeners, <throat> but I don't. I don't know how well he's played. What's interesting is he's actually played best when he has ended up playing up front. He's scored a few really good goals, but the dropping back in Lincoln play that he did more last season, I don't know if it's a season too far, or the legs won't do it, or the opposition's a bit better, but I actually don't think he's had the best of seasons, despite having a pretty decent goal return now, well, compared to the rest. Well, here's the thing about the New Deal, right? And it's it's very difficult to avoid. But FDR? You talk about politics now. You really want to get me started on American history. <laughs> you, you know <laughs> right, what, folks, right? welcome to American History Podcast. Yes. Watergate, part one of 47. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. like. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> After the game, you're going, yeah, you should get a, a, a new deal automatically. And then I see other people saying, well, I'm not so sure. Here's my argument. I would give them a one-year deal and I'll tell you for why. We need at least two first-choice strikers for next season, agreed? Um, at least two, yes. Yeah, at least two. Although, um, we'll come on to Joe Dudu in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I still think could be one of them. Yeah, I'm, I, no, I think Dodu could be one of the strikers. I think you always need four strikers minimum. And yeah. I'm counting Dodu as one of them. But I, I think you need two first-choice, two guys that can go in and start and play. Now, then you need backup. Yes. For the money that Miller is on, can you... Replace a reliable backup because Miller will play badly in, in long spells. I agree. However, look at the goals. He doesn't get the fourth in a four 0 win because, to be honest, I don't think we've had many of those. But yes, he he gets winners. He gets yes. goals that get you points. He gets important goals. He gets goals against Celtic and goals against Aberdeen and goals in cup matches. Like against Mother earlier in the season, he he pops up when you need him to, and when you're looking down the bench next season with twenty minutes to go, do you want the guy that you brought in for two or three hundred grand, who's twenty four, who's Joe do 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 Mark two perhaps right, because you've spent your money on your first two strikers, or do you think you'd know, be good to have Kenny Miller to chuck on here? Yep. Then you add in. He's clearly well respected by the rest of the team. He's been coaching with the Swifts. For me, I think you lose a lot more than you can gain for the same spend. I I, I don't see the harm in it. Say you give Kenny Miller a year and he doesn't play at all because the guys that are playing are doing are doing fine. That that's no loss. It's not a waste of money. Also, coaching badges, right, are seen as expensive. But I was, uh, believe it or not, it's how tedious I am. But I was looking at. The costs of, of these, you know, UEFA uh, five star licenses and stuff, and the pro license, and it's less than a hundred thousand pounds to put somebody through the top the UEFA pro license. I think that's a small price to pay if they've identified Kenny Miller as a potential coach and someone that's respected and knows the club and who can combine coaching with playing. He's on a very low wage, and the cost of these badges with UEFA is not prohibitive. It's, it's not a lot of money so you're right I think you've got somebody who wants to play can find the back of the net still 
And even if you factor in the costs of the, the coaching, it's still going to come in as less money than a lot of the players that we've experimented with brought in and don't play anymore. Mm. Well, so, it, yeah. It, it, when you say the contract, people say, well, I think we could spend that money better elsewhere. Do you, really, given a track record recently? And given the amount of players that we're going to have to bring in, I just think it's a bit of a no-brainer that you have him for a season. And if Do you know who you get for the money, David? Who? Do you know who you seriously get for money? You're talking Connor Salmon. Yeah. Back in a, a, couple, a grand or two a week who knows the SPL. You're talking about like a Connor Salmon. And that's just, why would you swap that? Why would you do that? I just I think, like I say, it's the old, you know, looking down the bench with 15 minutes to go uh, at Mordor. And unless that we have serious investment, which we're not going to get, then I think that Miller would be a handy guy to have around. Now, it could be a moot point because my personal view is if he was going to get a new deal, it would have been given to him by now. But time will tell. But, my other uh, my view is that he'll also factor in the coaching thing. See if Rangers are lukewarm about that. Whereas, this is an example. Suppose Hibs come in and see, we will pay for your licence, we'll pay for your badges, and you will coach. Mm. I think he'll think about that as well. I think a lot will depend on the nature of the offer that he gets. To, I think he probably is looking at this stage for a continuing career in football. Okay. Now, Joe Dodo, um, interesting cameo again from him. We've We've seen a couple of these this season from him but again a lot of people have been saying he should get run in the team because there is nothing improves a player than being out of a team when the team's playing badly in the eyes of a fan you know what it's like um, it happens to anyone if only X was available X should be playing he's better than Y yes. um, and it's not always true but it's it's understandable but the the argument I've heard against Dodo is I haven't been impressed in his cameos. Someone said that to me. And I said, well, yeah, OK. But he's been... I, I, I would kind of argue against that by saying when Joe Dodo has been sent on because of his limited opportunities, it's tended to be in situations where it's a last throw of the dice. You know, where it's a, a fuck it. You know, Joe, you go on and try and get us something here. Now... Yeah. In those circumstances, when you're getting put on, you're getting put on because the team is in a hole because they've performed abysmally. And you're then coming on and trying to make an impact when the rest of the team have been and are playing badly. To shine in those circumstances, I think, is an incredibly difficult thing to do. You're not being sent on when we're two or three up and told go and have a run at them. You're being sent on when we're losing, the fans are on at them players are lacking confidence are not playing well things aren't going well and yet you as the front man are expected to turn it round and he actually did manage to do it once against Partick Thistle so uh, look he's raw as as, as fuck but he can finish and that's a quality that you know a lot of our strikers don't possess and he's got pace the, the, his goal on Sunday did you see where he got the ball yeah it was inside In, our half inside our half and you need that as well Um I like it. I just think if you look again at the goal against Hearts, which was disallowed wrongly. Yes. What a, what a finish! I think that was a turning point. See if that goes in, he's got three and two games, and I think that he stays in the team. But he was hauled off minutes after that and never seen for months. And I also think that's the thing that we don't know behind the scenes. I think Dodo has probably outperformed Garner and Waghorn when he's been on, but it must be the training, maybe the attitude, because Warburton very rarely played him, and then uh, Pedro came in and he's he's in the squad every week now and he's, he's getting game time but he's not getting the chances that maybe I, I thought he would get and I wonder if there is something behind the scenes related to attitude or face not fitting or I'm just, I'm just surprised that he hadn't hasn't got more game as you say he's getting two or three minutes when we're getting beat mm-hmm. and I thought 25 half an hour that that's the kind of what I expected him to get as a run out and we don't know the full story but on Sunday he managed for the second or third time to sort of change a game when he came on, right, and that's a goal that's and an subs, Yeah, subs are supposed to do that. That's the whole point, making a substitution. Yeah, um, and he's done it. He's only and he's one of the few subs this season who's actually been an impact sub. So, I think he's definitely one to watch. He's got pace. He can finish. He can pass the ball, and he's looks enthusiastic. He actually ran at Aberdeen. He took the game to Aberdeen the minute he came on, mm. and that's also something that you can't. We've suffered from passing the ball sideways, passing the buck, and getting someone else to do it. Mm. So, see, having someone that says, oh, "I'm doing it." That's, you cannot underestimate that. He'll have a shot goal. He'll run at them. He'll break inside the box. 
I think you need that enthusiasm and that willingness to yes. take a team on. I also think that I do believe that that when people say things like you're not seeing them in training, and I actually do believe that because yes, I'm sure there'll be times where people's faces don't fit and all the rest of it. But I I refuse to believe that any manager has a superstar sitting in training that he's not playing and he's losing team just because he doesn't like him. You know, football being the, the type of cutthroat results business that it is. If you've got a guy that you think can go in and, and score goals for you, you're going to play him. So I do get that argument that we're not watching them in training. But I just think it's coming to the stage where you're looking around at your options and you're saying, well, he can finish. What he can't do is the whole tracking back, working hard thing. I think that's apparent. He's very light. It's not his game. He had to do it a couple of times on on Sunday, and you could see it was like when Boy just to occasionally remember to try and chase a ball into the corner, yeah. And he was like, "All oh, oh, right, I am. Um, yeah, will that do?" And he was sort of like that. He was trying it, but you could tell it wasn't natural. To him. He's not a wing back. No. And nowadays, you're asked to be a bit of a yeah, wing you're back. A, you're asked to play back, but he can finish. And let's see if we can get him into position where we can get the ball in front of him in the opposition half three or four times. Yeah. And give him, a, give him a bit of space to run into in a, in a half and see what happens. Two questions for you about strikers, David, okay? I think we've probably been over it, but just to be interesting because we've just been talking about them. Number one, what did you think of finishing the game with two strikers rather than three spread across the pitch? Well, it seemed to work. Yeah, and I also thought that Miller and Dodo seemed to have a pretty good combination. I thought that... Uh, you can check back in the old pod if you don't believe me. I thought after the Partick game when uh, they linked up for Dodo's two goals and uh, Dodo said in his post-match interview, yeah, me and Kenny have got a really good relationship in training so I, ju- I know when he gets the ball just to, to make the run. And again, you sort of saw that and maybe it's yeah. something we could look to exploit. Uh, certainly it's, it's worth a try. It's behind. The, it's so supposedly behind the times now to play two up front but it was interesting how well it worked. Anyway, the other thing was, and we've talked about this, but just to tie it all together with strikers, at the time, the rumour that we both heard through various people that we know was that the reason Tammy Abrams wasn't approached, although it was actually a possibly a goer, was that the board felt the fans wouldn't wear their highest paid big name being a loan signing. Okay, That was seen as being a something they didn't want to unveil, a loan signing. He would probably... now barring injury or bad pitches, and I know I'm tempting fate, he would have probably run amok, judging by... Do you think we should have, retrospectively, should the board have been tougher and gone with it and said, look, the fans will be happy if we win? Or do you think it was a good idea at that time not to invest too much in someone that wasn't our player? Well, it, um, what do you think, looking back now, because he has been a huge success at Bristol City, so what do you think about that decision? Chelsea... Um, when he was offered it in loan, his basic wage is 60, uh, 60 grand a week. So he was offered out uh, to clubs with Chelsea picking up 25% of that, which meant any club taking him for the year, and this is over and above a loan fee. I assume there would have been a loan fee. I don't know exactly how much it was. But any club taking Tammy Abraham had to pay 75% of his wages or 45 grand a week. Okay? Yep. So... That equates to anyone doing the maths would be able to work out at one point eight million, you know, um, which is what we spent on Garner. It was about the same. So yeah. I can, yes, I can understand why you're saying, well, yes, we could get this guy these goals for a year, but then we're left with literally nothing. Then he does go, and we've spent that two million. Whereas the idea of if we spend two million at the end of the year, you'll still have a player, and you can resell him, and okay, you might not get as much, but you'll still get something back for him. So I can understand it. Uh, you know that if Garner had hit twenty, it would have been a no-brainer. But he didn't, so that's what it was. I, I put it like this, Scott: if if I've got X amount of money, if I've got a limited amount of money to buy a car, and instead of buying a kind of old banger that will do me for a few years, I instead lease a really really expensive one, a top of the range, a cracker for three months. It's probably not the best. Spending my money, is it? But it might be because you may have a brilliant three months. Yeah, true, but um, yeah, I know. Yeah. No, it's just interesting because that that was the. I, the I think thought, I, yeah, I, I can just... understand. I think you, that, that when when pennies are, are tight, I can understand the, the motivation behind it. Now, honourable mentions uh, before we get to the the two youngsters. I thought that Jason Holt was absolutely terrific, and I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. 
Jason Holt is being asked to do less but do it better and he's responding yep um, I think he's always had the energy and the link up play but I don't think he was a natural like, you know sort of box to box or goal scoring th- it was hard to find a role we've talked about this the midfield they found it hard in general mm. with the three guys up front well two wingers and a, a central striker to find out You've obviously had Halliday screening the defence, but the other two midfielders have found it, I think, hard at times to find a natural role, and Holt especially. But now he's been asked to do a thing. Uh He's been given a specific area of the pitch, and he's told to be the guy who goes and attacks the ball whenever the opposition of the ball. Holt goes and attacks. He's the first, which lets, on Sunday, it let Heinemann play a little further forward, and it let Terrell almost be that that quarterback that I know that you like, and that's sort of the guy that dictates the pace. And it worked very well, and I thought that Holt... Uh, again in both matches even even uh, the other matches where we didn't get the results I thought he's doing less or he's being asked to do less uh, in terms of functions he's not being given 10 things to do he's been given 5 things to do and he's doing them still 100% but he's doing them better and the other one and it pretty much on a similar level was Danny Wilson who was a senior man of the defence and he just defended he didn't try and be Franz Beckenbauer. He just defended. And he Danny did Wilson's really well. huge disaster for Danny Wilson was having Warburton as a manager. See somebody that encouraged that kind of Beckenbauer tendency mm. and said, yeah, yeah, for 35 yard passes, Danny, you know, without a backlift, outside your foot. You know, all, Danny Wilson let the sort of Danny Wilson myth grow. Danny Wilson should be told, like, you're six foot odd, you're a defender, you're not a laddie anymore. Just go in and win the ball. And he fought and, for it. I mean, Aberdeen are yes. physical, they're big. He got a, a nosebreaker back in the mouth that, that, that apparently there was no malice in. And again, I think we all know... Oh, he's not be, a bad lad, that Aberdeen, David. Uh, he's not a bad lad. He's not that type of player. No, he's not that type of player. If it been the other way around, I think we all know retrospective action from... Uh, oh, yeah, they've knocked the part. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. A compliance officer would be involved if he hadn't. But... Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that he just, he wouldn't be bullied. He stood up, he had a, a kid next to him. And, uh, and he's allowed to clear the ball, that sort of thing. Sometimes he's allowed to boot it away. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. He was told to go and defend, and he defended. Um, and credit where it's due, I thought he had a, an excellent match marshalling uh, a defence containing, containing two youngsters. And speaking of those youngsters, two games, far too early to judge. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not judging, and I'm only offering praise. Young Beerman in his two matches to me has looked like he, he's just could be considered a first team squad player now. You know, he just two seven out of tens, just too quietly effective, got on with his job. There will be dips, obviously, but he just looked like completely this is where he belongs. If you'd been told, watch this match and tell me who's making his second appearance, or there, there are two guys making his second appearance, I think you would have picked out Bates early on. But you wouldn't have picked it Beerman, and it was the same against Kilmarnock. And I think he looked ready to roll. Bates was nervous, and people say, "Oh, he looks now. He looks like Bambi. He's a kid. He's making his second appearance for Rangers. It's a fucking pitodry. It's live on the telly. He was nervous. Let's give the guy a break. What he can do is again something we haven't always seen from our centre halves. He can head the fucking thing clear. I think there might be a player there. There might not be, but let's not go on at him for looking nervous. Plus, we've also said on this pod repeatedly, and, and in the pub and in the house, and on text, that modern footballers, defenders can't defend. Now, do you know there's probably room for a big, rugged guy who clears his lines? And I'm not saying it's the future of football. I don't think football's going to change back. And yeah, I mean, I just think that it's it's sometimes a defender that can defend will do it. And Bates did look nervous, but so would I. He's been called from obscurity to play two away matches in a week. And he's been part of a defence that, that kept two clean sheets for me. So... You know what? If the kid's going to look nervous um, and keep clean sheets, I'm I'm happy enough with that because we've got plenty of older defenders that look nervous and don't. Exactly. I also think the coaches can work with that. I mean, I'm an admirer of, of still the old sort of John Terry type, you know, thing. And see if the coaches realise that. Hang on, you hate John Terry. I know, but the type of player. All right, you hate so, John Terry the person. Yeah, yeah he's a jippo cunt. I hate him. But if you think about, it, see, Bates is not the silkiest, and he's not the man that starts all our play. Is that really a big deal? Um, put somebody silkier beside him. They put, they did, up, no, they, they, neither of them had to do it because he put Toro there to go and take the ball off them. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a huge issue. No. The fact is, oh, he, he, all he does is defend. 
that might not be so bad. No, I, I think I in the SPL, Miles Beerman though. Can I say about Miles Beerman? He has got one thing going for him, which is is hard to. I can't stress this enough. Miles Beerman has got a real chance of making his international <laughs> debut soon as well. Yeah. Because thankfully he's a Maltese player, so he's got that thing where he could be one of the most famous Maltese footballers quite soon. So he's obviously got that pushing him on, and that he's only got a couple of house painters and a taxi driver ahead of him in the queue. Um, at the moment, for fa- most famous Maltese footballer, and um, but he looks already like Lee Wallace's understudy. Now imagine that you've played two games, and he is now probably our reserve left back, and that's full credit to him. And to the coaches, can I also say to Graham Murphy and the coaches, um, he's a good one. He does look a good player. Um, I like Malta, as you know. You love it, yes. You want to live there, don't you? I do, and uh, that you may end up be getting sooner rather than later. Actually, you may end up be getting pods from Malta. Uh, for me, but I would agree that it's not really renowned as a place that produces wonderful footballers. Except Miles Beerman. Except Miles Beerman, so wouldn't it be great, you know, when I move out there and they'll go, ah, Rangers, do you know Miles Beerman? And of course I'll go, yeah. 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 Great friend of the pod, of yeah, course. I, I, yeah, I used, I used to, to coach, coach him in that. Yeah. Miles, I called him. Yeah, I mean, first name terms, uh, mm. Miles. It's going to be, and then the they'll start a Rangers Sports Club with you as sort of chairman you'll get to do guest openings cut the ribbons and you'll love that shit won't you pretty much yeah, yeah. although you might have to go out your house no escape that's true you you always said that I'd need to go out my house to do the pod and, hmm? that's true but what would you can I ask you a question why would you move to Malta it's lovely climate to sit on the sofa there do you know it would be better sitting on the sofa here yeah but I'd be right how can I put this see even though I've moved away to deepest darkest Ayrshire yeah, I still live in fear that people might just drop by. Right. right now, if in Malta, there's no fucking chance of that. That's true. You could leave your back door open and nobody would come in. I wouldn't do that. Sure. You know that. I keep my door locked at all times, just well, in case true. anyone attempts to come in. Um, would you? If you moved to Malta, would you use the opportunity to get a B-Day put in this time? A proper B-Day? I would expect a B-Day would already be there. Okay, fair enough. Can't argue with that. No. Um... But yeah, a far more civilized way for for one to live one's life. But uh, but but that's for another day. That's for another day. One thing before we move on, though, Scott, I think that you and I have long said that Rangers without gingers, it just doesn't work. No, it's when were we at our best in our lifetime? Mid nineties, McCall, Bomber, McCall, Alberts. Yeah. It's it's just a, it's a simple fact of life. So if David Bates is here to lead us to the promised land, yeah, then I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine, as long as he doesn't get premature balding. No. Bit of praise for Pedro? Of course. Um, I'm not... I think you have to take everything with a pinch of salt. Pedro at the moment is doing a really good job of geeing up the troops, yes. especially the fans. But I think a bit of his explanation about why we spent the first 25 minutes of the second half pinned in our own box was maybe wishful thinking. It was all deliberate and we were getting ready to hit them in the break. Yeah, but I'll give him that. It's the kind of thing I'd say, so I can't really... (laughs) can't really criticise him. I thought that what we has done, the last two games especially, take the Motherwell thing aside, okay? Kamarnock and Aberdeen, we did restrict the number of chances that we conceded. Yes, we did. That is true. A lot better with cross balls. We did, and we 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 have looked a little bit, not totally, but a little mm, bit more organised slightly. I had watched the game back, uh, the Kilmarnock game, and I usually watch the games back before the pod because I don't think when you're watching it live, you don't analyse it, or if you do, you're a better man than me. I get too caught up in it; it's too emotional. And for instance, I couldn't tell you who in the opposition played well because I don't watch the opposition; I just watch Rangers. Whereas when I'm watching it back, I can do that. So we did the pod right after it as an experiment. And one of the things I said was, oh, bloody corners. We had loads of corners. We never scored. But we actually did put corners onto people's heads. People with the same colour jersey yeah, on. Yeah, p- people were making runs. Into play. They weren't executing it properly, but the plan was there. And I just, yeah, I, th- I think he, he's, he, he's brought a, a welcome calmness. One thing I think that I do want to mention is that you can already see the media narrative that's being put out about him, which is, funny foreigner, let's all mock, and they pour over everything he does forensically in a way that they do not do with Scottish managers. And 
the, the strain of anti-intellectualism that run through Scotland that you saw with Cathro, you know, laptop manager, you know, I imagine a manager with a computer. Uh, you know, how, how do you type your match reports, you fucking dick? Have you got a, a 1950s, you're living out your Hunter S. Thompson fantasy, as if you even fucking read them. But it's that sort of thing. And I noticed uh, Jackson in his column giving it the whole, uh, oh, the professor. And I'm not the sneery nickname already. Why? What's he done? In any way that... Uh, he gave out the team early. Uh, he had a joke about the Aberdeen team. And that's it. And he changed tactics during a match when we weren't playing well. And it's this... Uh, it's this xenophobic... How dare a foreigner come in here? Why are we not appoint one of our own guys? Because Scottish football is shite. It's utterly fucking terrible. On every conceivable level. We are good. At nothing. Literally, in this country. Nothing, right? We don't produce young players. We don't do well at international level. Our league is not exciting. We don't have good football that we can all say, well, at least it's entertaining, even if it's maybe not the highest stack. We've none of that. It's shite. We don't have entertaining analysis, which is why idiots like me and Scott get listened to when there are fucking highly paid professionals that people are turning off in droves. That's why we get foreigners in. And then when they come in, these fucktards sit back and try and go, oh, who does he think he is, eh? This guy coming in here just because he can speak a foreign language. Listen, you cunt, you can barely speak English. I mean, that's the thing about Cathro. There was this thing about he went to Portugal, he went to Spain. Why wasn't he in Largs? <laughs> exactly. Why wasn't he doing badges in Largs? Why wasn't he hanging about with Alex Miller? And uh, Bobby Williamson, and you think, oh, and this thing that he's a disrespecter, Pedro disrespects people, he's a crazy clown, and he, he switched uh, to everybody up front, and he's probably going to be like Manuel from Faulty Towers. He's been charged for three games or something. I know. It's absolutely ludicrous. Um, but also, it's because the press don't want him to succeed. And on that note, see the response to the game on Sunday. You would have thought that somebody important had died. Oh, God, yeah. It Radio was Radio media Scotland beach was Scotland They were mourning, and it was funny. But I'll tell you one thing to the listeners out there: I want you to do this. I want you to look back to Sunday and Monday and the response to us winning a, a football match, and imagine what fifty-five will be like. Mm. There will be seriously suicides. We have destroyed the lives of people in this country simply by winning an away game, mm. and it's. Sometimes you forget, you take a step back or you go on holiday like I did last week and there's no Scottish stuff on the telly. You don't, there's nothing about Scotland at all or Scottish football. And you forget and you have a good time to come back. You forget just how much we are utterly despised in this country by everybody and how difficult it is for the manager to get a fair crack of the whip. Because whenever you go to England, because, you know, the Tims will go to, ah, everyone hates you. And you go to England, they don't, they really like us. Cause, yes. you know, that, and they don't. Uh, the, the story they see is, oh, this British club that went through hell and back, but you stuck by your team. That's brilliant, lads. Good luck. Yes. Do you? Are you the team that got forty five thousand average in the third division? Yeah. That, that, whenever I've been, you know, down south, business, whatever. That's a bit with your Rangers fan. Oh God, yeah. Did you go in the third? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season two. That's brilliant, mate. You know. And um, that's the that's the kind of exception. But of course, up here they just can't get their head round it because they never face any criticism uh, internally. Now. Um, before we, we move on to very brief spears of the week because we've we've uh, talked and talked and talked and talked about football. Um what's what's become of us? <laughs> it's a sad day, isn't it? What's yeah. become of us? Um but before we squeeze one in, so to speak, Jonathan Johansson appointed number three. Thoughts? Um I think it probably fits the bill. He was probably the most qualified in terms of coaching of yep. the candidates. Um It would be him and Alex Ray, yeah. Yeah, and he was living here already, so and um, he was willing and very keen to take the job. So yeah, makes perfect sense. I'd imagine that what this means is that Pedro probably does want a little bit more out. Do you remember it was originally put about? It was like a gonk, basically. Yeah, uh, basically a Scottish guy to to come in and show him where he could get the best fish supper, etc. Yeah, but I think looking at JJ, I think there's more to the role, and I think that's interesting that Pedro wants. He wants his link. He wants his link person, but I think he wants a link person that he can also talk football with. Mm. And I think he wanted a qualified man for the job, and I think it's really encouraging as well. Well, there's two things I want to address um, about it. Firstly, I would have backed whoever got the job because it would have been chosen by Pedro, and he's the guy that has to work with him. 
So, you know, the end of the day, if someone comes in an interview that we haven't been at, we can't go, I can't believe he picked him because Johansson has clearly done something at the interview where Pedro's went brilliant. And secondly, in any job, you, when you're interviewing the person, you sit and go, you know, can I work with this guy? I'm going to have to spend 40, 50 hours a week with this person. Is this somebody I click with? Do they think the way I think? So whoever Pedro had picked, I would have supported. Yeah, obviously. But, yep. it, and for people to say, can't believe he picked him over certain other candidates, um, he was a much better player. That's utterly irrelevant, right? So I'm sorry you, you don't understand and your opinion should be dismissed. I'm sorry, but that's a fact. Now, Jackson's hack piece on Pedro as part of that. There was a line in it which said that one of the candidates um, found the explanation that Pedro gave him for not getting the job baffling. The two things about that. Firstly, Pedro phoned everybody individually to tell them that they hadn't got the job. Didn't need to do that. It was a classy thing to do. Secondly, to this guy, who shall remain nameless, but we all know who it is, that is why you didn't get the fucking job. One, you didn't understand. Two, your first thought was to phone your pal in the media. Exactly. What I would say, though, if ha- had that person got the job, at least we would have had an open channel to the media. Well, to open 24-7, that is. Yeah, but, that's, you know. that's, that's the issue. And um, as I say, that to me just beautifully illustrated why that person didn't get the job. And people say, I can't believe you're attacking him. Well, here's the thing, lads. Uh, I'm attacking him because he has gone to the media to supply ammo for a negative story about our new manager. Mm-hmm. So you're damn right I'm attacking him. Because even if he felt that way, if you are a true Rangers fan, why don't you go, he's a bit of a, you know, I'll keep this to myself because I don't want it going in the paper. You know? It's... Yep. Uh, I just I, I don't understand it. For me, that's looking out for yourself, and yeah, it's, it's huffing yeah. and it's unbecoming. Well, you contrast that with the likes of Kevin Thompson, Peter Lovenkrantz, who put out saying was honoured to be invited. Good luck to JJ. Brilliant. I mean, yeah. the thing is, if, if Claxton Jackson's new thing is Pedro's a clown, in which charge it is, of a clown, yeah, which, uh, he's in charge of a clown circus, and you give him bullets to fire. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Then no, I feel it's perfectly okay for Rangers fans to criticise you for that, and it doesn't matter what you're, you know, because as Ali proved, you can divorce on field and after. Mark Hately certainly has proved you can divorce on field. Doesn't mean you appreciate what they did on the park one iota less, but it does mean that you say I didn't agree with that. And that that's this case. So best of luck to JJ. Scott, very quickly, can you batter through uh, Sporting Integrity? Because yes. we have had some nutters getting in touch saying a pod with no Sporting Integrity is not a pod at all before they've taken their medication, obviously. And I thank my dad for doing that. Yes, it was nice of him. It was nice. I've got a few that are all linked. It's about chairman, crazy chairman, okay? Okay. Um, first, of course, we're starting with uh, Palermo owner Maurizio Zamperini, of course. Yeah, pod favourite. Um, so, last spring, he, of course, they already had a manager and they'd sacked him. Let's not forget that, okay? He hired Roberto De Zerbi, okay? Okay. Now, at the end of November, he said, I'm not sacking him. I'm keeping De Zerbi. That's my decision. My decision forever. Two days later, he sacked him for being pitiful, pitiful man. And <laughs> okay. hired Eugenio, right? Then he hired Eugenio Carini, okay? Six weeks later, he lost faith in Carini. And tries to rehire De Zerbi. Right? Uh, Roberto De Zerbi says no to him. Okay? Quite a pitiful, Three... pitiful man. Then Carini is said, okay, you can keep the job, even though I don't rate you. So Carini then says, at the end of this, this was earlier, just a month or so ago, Carini said, I have to be honest, every day here it's like atomic bombs dropped. It's like Hiroshima. <laughs> I think he may be slightly overreacting, but yeah. okay. But then Zamperini came in and said, it's Hiroshima. Try being president. That's what's not easy. There we go. Yeah, well, I, listen, I, I will always say that I have sympathy for these so-called mad despot owners because I know what it's like to have to work with a team of fucking idiots. It's like herding cats. Uh, I- what? Speaking yeah. of which, uh, next week the live pod, uh, Friday 21st of April at the Loudon Tavern, uh, is a sellout, and I'm very sorry, but it's completely sold out. Uh, people have been asking when tickets will be sent out. They're not going to be sent out. Your name will be on a list, but you will have to provide 
bank card ID, so bring driver's license or bank card. The reason for that is if you've tweeted that you're going and somebody sees it and turns up and goes, oh, I'm somebody, um, and we let them in, you'll be a bit miffed when you turn up 10 minutes later to find out that some bastard's in and has taken your place. So please remember that. We will let, uh, uh, let you all know that again this time next week. So that's pretty much it from us. All that it means for me to do is to tell you where you can get in touch with us. Search for Heart and Hand, uh, the Rangers podcast, on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ibrox Rocks. Scott is... At Scott Heart Hand. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, and to thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.